Well, I heard you. Sean, Jerry Adams are rich. August Morris Grad to Sulagum. Go with Shipsha. Go my. August Tamisha. Go Han Han. Why? The Sunday, last Sunday actually, I spoke at the 40th anniversary of the commemoration of the killing by the SAS of IRA volunteers Henry Hogan and Declan Martin up in Dunloy in County Andrum. And Declan was 18 and Henry was 20. Now, I was also the speaker at their funerals in February 1984. And at that time, hundreds of RUC and scores of Land Rovers surrounded Henry Hogan's wakehouse. And myself, Martin McGuinness and Donnie Morrison and Owen Curran linked arms with other mourners to create a human barrier around the house and the funeral to shield them from the RUC. And that's the way many Republican funerals were conducted in those days. It was part of a conspiracy between the NIO, the RUC, the British Army and the Catholic hierarchy to stop Patriot dead being buried with the national flag or as part of a Republican uh, funeral, all by dint of their criminalization strategy. And this eventually failed as a strategy, not least because of the resolve of the families involved and their neighbours and their friends and local Republican communities. And Sunday's event, which drew a huge crowd, was part of a weekend of discussions of music and remembrance in Dunloy. And it got me to thinking about how this effort to criminalise our patriot dead continues today. It's still the focus nowadays of some anti-Republican elements and some lazy journalists. One of the questions most asked of <clears throat> one of the questions most asked of newly elected First Minister Michelle O'Neill, as well as she will attend IRA commemorations. No questions to unions representatives about their attendance at commemorative events, and neither should there be. I, I have no objections to unionists or others commemorating their dead, and this includes British soldiers. RUC or UDR officers and unionist paramilitaries. And I said this in Dunloy on Sunday last. Of course, all acts of remembrance should be conducted in a dignified and sensitive way. They should also be held only in places which are generally receptive to such events. No one should engage in provocative language or offensive behaviour. Respect should be the watchword. Incidentally, there are no IRA commemorations. The IRA is gone. Republican commemorations are organised by groups like the National Graves Association or the National Commemoration Committee, which is responsible for 1916 events, or by local committees drawn from local communities, old comrades, families, Sinn Féin and others. And that's been the case for as long as I can recollect. And these commemorations are not about and should not be about being provocative. We who have suffered in the conflict are not about glamorising or glorifying the war. We are very mindful always of the feelings of those who lost loved ones due to IRA actions. Now, others who often still describe Republicans as terrorists need to ask themselves what is achieved by this offensive language. The war is over. The healing has begun for many people.
and that's for the good. And leaders can help us by tempering their language. We will probably never agree on the past, but we can't agree to disagree. Because there is no single narrative. Only by including all the narratives will a complete picture emerge of what happened and why it happened. And understanding this is part of being unable to stop it happening again. Of course, it is not only elements of the British or Unionist establishment who continue to insult Republican communities or the families of our patriot dead. The Dublin establishment also repeats the same old story again and again. They don't do irony. Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin leads the chorus of Ooh Ah, good old Ra of the 1920s, while insulting the families of the bad old Ra of more recent times. Will he change his tune? Probably not, but we live in hope. And I'm not even arguing for him to do this. Let's keep our views of the past if that's all we can do, but let's try to articulate it differently. I'm arguing for us to move into a new phase of the process of change, a phase of healing and shaping the future. The past is gone. So let's not repeat it, even rhetorically. Of course, some victims cannot move on, and that's fair enough also, that's their entitlement. But others have and continue to do so, and they're an example to the rest of us, especially to those in political leadership. The leader of the DUP was once a member of the UDR, an organisation which the British government had to disband. Leader of the UUP is a former British soldier, I've yet to hear a Sinn Féin representative cast up about any of that. So let's all reflect on how we commemorate our dead. We Republicans and everyone else need to continue to do this in a fitting manner, in tune with current political conditions and with a mind to building an inclusive future. Others should join us in this endeavour. The onslaught the catastrophe, the genocide against the people of Palestine continues and the European Union's foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell, took issue with US President Joe Biden and his remarks that the Israeli state's offensive against the Palestinian people had been excessive. Mr. Borrell said, if you believe that too many people are being killed, maybe you should provide less arms. If the international community believes that this is a slaughter, that too many people are being killed, maybe they have to think about the provision of arms. And Mr. Burrell is right. The US administration, along with Britain and the other European powers, are complicit in the Israeli state's violations of international humanitarian law. The huge attendance at demonstrations across the world, including Ireland, shows there's popular support for an end to the genocide. People want peace. The Palestinian people deserve peace. So cease fire now should be our continued demand. Now, ask almost anyone you know about the date when internment was introduced and August the 9th, 1971 will be the popular answer. That was the day 342 men and boys were dragged from their homes in the early hours of the morning to be beaten, interrogated and interned. 
Fourteen were to be the victims of planned torture. These were the hooded men. What is less well known is that August 1971 was not the first time that internment was introduced in this most recent phase of conflict. And I was reminded of this by my good friend and comrade Tom Hartley, the noted historian, Dr. Tom Hartley, the noted historian and collector, who presented me with a photocopy of a page from the Irish press, a Dublin-based paper at the time, in which the names of 24 Republicans interned in the Crumlin Road prison were published on August the 22nd, 1969. Internment was a favoured weapon of the British and of the Unionist regime at Stormont. It's also widely employed by Britain's colonial administrations across the colonies. It was used after the Easter Rising, and it was used after that again by the Free State government during the Civil War. In the North, the Unionist government used it from 1922 to 23 to 25, 1935, 38 to 45, 1951, and 1957 to 61. And in August 1969, when Unionist mobs led by B-Specials and the RUC attacked nationalist parts of Belfast. Hundreds of homes were destroyed, thousands of families became refugees, and people were killed. The Unionist regime sought to blame Republicans for these events. They even claimed to a disbelieving media that nationalist families had destroyed their own homes. The Unionist Prime Minister, James Chichester Clark, Chichi, issued a public statement in which he claimed, well, disciplined and ruthless men, working to an evident plan, attacked the police at a number of points in the city. He described this as a deliberate conspiracy to subvert a democratically elected government. The aim was to blame the IRA, not unionism, and its street mobs for the instigation of violence. As British soldiers were being deployed on our streets once again, the IUC raided homes and arrested these two dozen Republicans. They were all interned under the notorious Special Powers Act. They included Prunchies McArt, Jimmy Hargey, John McGuigan, Jay McCann, Frank Campbell, Desi Cassidy, Des, De, Dennis Casson, J.J. Davey, Frank Donnelly, P. Duffy, R. Fitzpatrick, L. Johnson, Liam Johnson, D.J. Loy, H. Mullen, P.J. McCusker, John McElderney, F. McLennan, Malachy McGorn, Liam McElvenna, Billy McMillan, Liam Savage, M. Toll, and F. White, and I've left someone out there, and I don't want to leave anyone out. M. Doherty. Now, I sent Dirty Hargey, MLA, uh, the clipping that Tom sent me for her mother, because her father's name was in it. And in return, Dirty sent me an RUC photograph of her father taken at his arrest. Used to call them mug shots. So there you have it, another little example of the state we were in. Most of the 24 attorneys were released within weeks. Billy McMillan, Prunchies McGard and Malachi McGoran continued to be held. McMillan was eventually released in late September, while Prunchies McGard and Malachi McGoran were held on to the end of the year. So Shanae, another little 
important footnote. Okay, Shinma Maj just be be uh Bio Hanik Mana Blahani Chak Tuas. I I just spotted I'm recording this in Dundalk. I just spotted a whole host of golden daffodils along Crow Street. And my old friend Richard McCauley said to me, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er bales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, rustling gently in the breeze. So, spring is springing. Gunyuri and Talav, Tor Ayra, Chenawil, Slan, August, Bonnacht, Divsha, Gulyarth.